What's up, Bible geeks, and welcome to The Edge. I'm your host, Scott Logan, and today we are going to make it our mission to finally finish Ephesians chapter 5. But first, I want to say a quick happy birthday to my lovely wife, Shannon. Shannon's birthday was several days ago, but in the Logan house, we're one of those families that just doesn't do a birthday, but we are the birthday week people. Honestly, I don't know anyone who takes birthdays as serious as Shannon does, but we had a really great week where we were able to take time off as a family and also go on a date day with just the two of us. It's amazing how you take for granted the ability to just go places and see things without interruption before you have a kid. We're at the point with Ellie now that we can't pick anything up in a store, no matter what it is, without her saying, Ellie, hold it, Ellie, hold it, Ellie, hold it, Ellie, hold it. Then the next item, Ellie, hold it, Ellie, hold it, Ellie, hold it. So anyway, happy birthday, Shannon. And speaking of... We've been on the topic of marriage over the last several weeks as we've been working through the last part of Ephesians chapter 5. We've been slowly moving through it, and so far we've covered verses 22 to 27, and last week we talked about the command for husbands to love their wives like Jesus loves the church, and then we took a little detour from the human marriage relationship while Paul reminded us that Jesus gave himself for her in verses 26 and 27 to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And now we're moving on to verses 28 to 33, where Paul says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. So Paul says in 28 to 30, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. So, a bride and a body are two different and distinct concepts, but at the same time, the Bible tends to bind them together, and that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve's creation. You see, back in Eden, a man, Adam, was put to sleep and his body was opened up and a bone was removed from his side and God used that bone to build a body or a bride, Eve. And when God presented Eve to Adam, he said that they would be one flesh. Now, out of that event, Paul starts to build a doctrine here about marriage. A husband and wife will become one. And it's a union that goes beyond just the physical, but also is spiritual and psychological. Paul was using that illustration as it concerns how a husband is supposed to recognize and love his wife. 
And it's common sense to say that you will instinctively provide comfort for your own body. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you had a really sore and stiff neck, you're more than likely going to do whatever you can as soon as you can to alleviate that pain. If you're overtired, you're gonna sleep. If you stub your toe, after you're done jumping up and down, yelling at the thing you stubbed it on like it was its fault, you're probably going to put some ice on it. The point is that you can take care of yourself. You shower, you brush your teeth, you clothe yourself, you eat when you're hungry, you, you get the point. So just like a husband would take care of his body, he must see to his wife's comfort. Paul is saying to take care of your wives with the same diligence that you do yourself. If you don't, it's like self-suicide. You're just hating yourself. Husbands should be alert to the signals that a wife is sending. If you get a cut on your arm, it's going to send signals to your brain that you've been wounded. Just like he should protect himself, he should protect her. And not because she's some poor, little, defenseless, helpless creature. No, that's just what people who love each other do. We desire each other's well-being. Jesus looks at the church as his bride and his body. To him, nothing in his creation compares to it. Remember that Jesus didn't die for anything else in creation. He only died for the purpose of redeeming his bride. We're the only part of creation he cares to even keep. As far as Jesus is concerned, nothing is too good for his beloved. The church is the love of his life and the center of his thoughts, and it's the object of his purposes. If husbands are called to love their wives in the same way, then they can't use their wives' faults and imperfections as a reason for neglecting her or to stop loving her in the way that he vowed to when they got married. I mean... Praise God that Jesus doesn't do that. Trust me, Jesus isn't blind. He's fully aware of the imperfections of the church, but he's delightfully anticipating the day when the church will be complete and it will be like him and it will reign with him. And what a union we have when you think of it in terms of a body. I mean, think about it. The parts of your body can't survive independently. As members of Christ's body, we share the same life, we're controlled by the same spirit, and we're ruled by the same brain. It's because we have that connection to Jesus that Christian husbands are enabled to love their wives with this kind of deep, intimate connection and commitment. He then goes on to say in 31 and 32, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is not a man-made tradition and concept. It's God's idea. The purpose of marriage was to make paradise complete. When God created marriage, he totally had eternal values and the relationship between Jesus and the church in mind. It's not a coincidence that the first two times love is mentioned in the Bible, 
is in Genesis 22, talking of the love of the father for the son, speaking of Abraham and Isaac. And then secondly, Genesis 24, the love of the son for his bride, speaking of Isaac and Rebekah. Now, there are hidden depths in Christian marriage that are linked with God's eternal purposes. Paul said in 32, this mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So what is a mystery? It's new revelation, something in the past that was hidden and is now revealed. The mystery is this, and this has never been said before in Scripture, never in the Old Testament, that marriage is to follow the pattern of Christ's relationship to the church. Marriage is sacred. The church is one with Jesus. That's the mystery. The church is one with Christ, and that's the picture of marriage. Marriage is sacred by virtue of its association with the relationship between Jesus and his church. Finally, in verse 33, Paul says, To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Paul starts closing things out here with a little recap, but also a reminder to wives too. Paul says again for husbands to love their wives as themselves, but that's not a one-way street. Wives, respect your husbands. Some translations use the word reverence. A wife should also make much of her husband and speak well of him. I say this not from experience with my own wife because we take words very seriously, but with other couples that we've known over the years, there is not much more unbecoming than when spouses start speaking ill of each other to other people outside of their marriage. I've known couples who even use hurtful words and call it playful, but not one of those couples I've seen have lasted long doing that. For a wife to respect or reverence her husband doesn't mean that she has to submit to bullying or endorse his really stupid decisions. It just means that instead of tearing him down, she builds him up. Guys, I haven't a clue what condition your marriages are in, but I know what it can be. There are some whom I've heard say, well, I married the wrong person. Guess what? They're the right person now. Get over that idea and approach the marriage the way that the Bible tells us to. Walk in the leading of the Holy Spirit. If your marriage is filled with conflict and bitterness, God can bring joy and fulfillment to it. It can all change for the better. The most important thing is that you be connected to Jesus in a way that honors him, exalts him, Uh, that you walk in his spirit and obey his word. If two people are doing that, they can walk together and know the fullness of marital blessings. Some say, "Uh, I probably missed the person I should have married. Nope. You got the person you married, and that's the person that God wants you to have for the rest of your life. And you can make of that marriage all that God wants it to be if you set the course the way the Bible tells you to set the course. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we're still going to be talking about what Paul said about submitting to one another. But we're moving on to the next illustration 
which is another thing that I'm personally becoming rather passionate about, and that's parenting. But in the meantime, if you want to know more about The Edge, then please check out our official website, theedgepodcast.com. All of my social links are at the top right corner of the page. Give us a like on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at edgepodcast1. Next week, we finally arrive to the final chapter of Ephesians. We're rounding third base and heading towards closing this book out. Make sure to have an awesome week geeking out on the Bible. Thanks for listening to The Edge. I'm Scott Logan telling you that this week, when you live, live on the edge.